Raunchy Power Hour, a book club for discussing romance from the erotic to the erroneous. As always, this is an explicit podcast and contains strong language, adult themes, and sexual content. If you are sensitive to these things, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. This month, we are reading November 9 by Colleen Hoover. This is part two of November 9. This podcast will contain spoilers of the entire book. If you want to read along with us, stop listening now. It's okay. We'll wait for you to come back. This is our concluding episode of November 9. If you haven't, please go listen to part one. Yes, we'll wait again. This book contains themes of... Suicide, car accidents, arson, and grief. You have been warned. I'm your producer, Ashlyn. I'm one of your hosts, Sydney. And I'm Lauren, who found panties in her pants leg last episode. Dear God. Now get ready to get raunchy. Hey, Sydney. You know what time it is? Hello. It's about nine o'clock. It is nine o'clock and it is not November 9th, but. Oh, thank God. Thank God. It's actually August 7th. (laughs) About three months off. Yeah, a little bit. I have a question to ask you. I don't know if I want to answer. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I want to ask either. Um, But we're going to. Basta, we've we've kind of settled into the bit, so we kind of have to. Oh, for sure. If you... If you had to write, let's call it a manifesto of the most cringeworthy, deepest, darkest secrets that should never see the light of day, arguably, to be published to the world, what would you title it? I would title it Archive of Our Own. My Archive of Our Own (laughs) Saved Folder. If you had to add a subtitle with a specific AO3 tag, which one would it be? (laughs) Lemon. (laughs) Spicy, spicy lemon. Please don't look at it, Mom. <laughs> Spicy lemon. Spicy lemon. My confession. No eggs. No eggs. No, no eggs. Happy fluff no. or ang- angst with a happy ending, I think is the good. Uh, yeah, I would say that. Or if, in a, or if I'm in a feisty mood, <laughs> it's like spice with no plot. So porn. Yes. <laughs> Trying to avoid saying the word porn, but now I have to say it. Yeah, porn without (laughs) plot. Hell yes. Love it. Uh, Lauren? Uh Uh-huh. What would you name yours? What would you name your manifesto? I'd have to go very on the nose and say something akin to like... Well, okay, this is like a cringe manifesto. So if I'm really digging deep into like my middle school, like alt wannabe, listen to skillet a lot more than I should have type mentality, I probably would have been like falling inside the chasm of me or like 
some nonsense bullshit. <laughs> See, I thought you would have said like Finnick o- <laughs> O'Dare lover. Listen, that deepest, darkest secrets are already somewhere out there on the internet. <laughs> or just, t- I was about to say, if you don't name your fanfic right now, I swear to God. <laughs> Welcome to the Raunchy Power Hour. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to part two of November 9th by Colleen Hoover. Uh, if you have not listened to the first episode, listen to what our introduction uh, person said. Why is it person? It's Ashlyn. It's literally our producer. <laughs> listen to her. Listen, listen to her and go listen to the first episode. Then come back. But I'm not waiting. We're going to jump right into it. <laughs> uh, Lauren, do you want to give us a quick refresh of what just happened of the whirlwind of dumpster fire bullshit that we had to trudge through to get to here? Oh, shit. OK. Um, somebody had a timer. Looks like the peak counter from a couple episodes ago. OK. okay. And, and go. <laughs> all right. So Fallon and Ben, they're our main love interest. Both of them kind of incelly. Both of them kind of insecure. We hate them. You're going to hate them even more. Um, Fallon, who's the main female lead, meets up for lunch with her daddy, who's like a child actor that never grew out of Hollywood. They have an argument because she has scars all over her body from a really bad burn accident years prior. And she's basically sort of like this like unspoken outcast from the world of acting that has severed her relationship with her father. They're beefing this described as unkempt man named Ben, who's literally the incel in question is like one booth away. He hears them arguing and he says, you know what? I think it's my time to interject. He literally sits down in the booth with Fallon, pretends to be her boyfriend and just like inserts himself in the business of her and her dad. He gets pissy. Dad storms off. Then Fallon is like, hmm, I'm intrigued by this man. Let's play detective. She asks him a bunch of questions and they go out for like Froyo at Pinkberry, which is the most like yoga pants like middle-aged white mom thing i've ever heard i'm sorry it sucks and then from there they sort of like concoct this like wild plan of like we really like each other but you know fallon's leaving for new york to pursue her broadway dreams we really obviously shouldn't tie each other down to be together i know what an aspiring author says ben i'm gonna write this really shitty manuscript that is going to detail the next six years of our lives until we're 23 and apparently emotionally mature enough to be in a relationship. And I'm going to write about every year on November 9th and we meet up at the same stupid restaurant to commiserate and like make out a whole bunch of shit. But in the meantime, don't forget, I'm going to assign you vaguely misogynistic homework assignments in which you have to kiss a bunch of guys and I have to read more rent novels that turn me into an alpha male, self-proclaimed. And so, you know, they do a bunch of shitty shit, whatever. She flies to New York next November 9th, the second one. Basically, she shows up late, flight delays, bleh. And then he, you know, Ben basically finally, like, they meet up. She goes to his home. He introduces to the family. He sucks on her titty a little bit. It's fine. And then she goes back to New York the 3rd November 9th, which is probably the most unhinged, the, the start of the, the shit, right? 3rd November 9th. Ben is supposed to meet up with Fallon in New York, but he calls because he can't because his brother Kyle is dead. Kyle, eh, not that important. He just know he punches Ben. So Kyle is dead. They're both sad. She flies out to L.A. to go see Ben and to comfort him in his sadness. But, you know, you know what else is the best emotional release for men? Sex. They fuck. And then he's like, I want to go to live in New York with you and drop all my responsibilities and my loved ones. And then she's like, yeah, let's do it. But then she sees how his sister-in-law, Jordan, wants to like raise the baby she was about to have with Kyle in their family home. And like, no, you know, Ben is like a big support system for me. And then she's like, no, Ben, 
you got to stay with your family because that's the emotional mature thing to do. And you would have done this for me and shit. But then he tries to physically prevent her from like leaving in the cab that she called and all this shit. And he's like a little toxic, a little weird. He's like, tell me you don't love me. Tell me you don't love me. I know you don't. And she says, fine, Ben, whatever will help you grow up and grow a pair. And so she leaves and she's like, but I'll see you next November 9th. Right. And he says, whatever. Not really. But then next November 9th, probably my favorite because of how bad shit crazy it is. She shows up at the restaurant. He comes in with Oliver, who's his nephew, the son of Jordan and Kyle, who has passed last year. He shows up. He drops some interesting language, some hints, some talky talky about Jordan. And through the contacts clues, we gather that he's been fucking and in a relationship with his sister-in-law, his dead brother's widow. And you're like, huh? That's kind of sweet home, Alabama. And so does Fallon. She runs to the bathroom to cry. He follows her in there. He's like, it's your fault. You said you didn't love me. What was I supposed to do? And she's like, are you Delulu? And he says, no, you are. And so she gets upset, rightfully so, runs away in the car, says, don't expect me back on the next November night. We're done. You're a piece of shit. She gets in the car, drives off. He chases her after in the world's probably most unflattering way where he's like, oh, Fallon. And then he's like, I got to go break up with Jordan. And that's where we end. Four minutes and one second. That's what I'll say. Four twenty. Nice. I was going to make a joke and say four twenty because it's a funded number, but it's okay. <laughs> Good job. That was a great summary. Uh, so you. now we're going to the fifth November 9th. So don't don't know why there's a fifth one because you know she said she wasn't going to meet up with him again. So year five, Fallon is sat on the couch. Uh, because oh wait I forgot <laughs> we almost missed the best part <laughs> we have poetry from none other than the sensitive man of Benton Kessler it's probably my favorite poem of all of them <clears throat> my flaws are draped in her mercy revered by her false perception and with her lips upon my skin she will undress my deception Benton James Kessler Proceed. Yeah, because you're fucking. Yeah, because you're a fucking liar, Ben. I know. Fucking asshole. Can't tell. I hate this man. So year five, Fallon is on the couch, really sad because you know it's the anniversary of the fire and also the anniversary of finding out that Ben was having sex with his uh, dead brother's wife. So she's not doing great. Um. So. Amber kind of like makes her go out. So just a reminder, Amber is her old roommate from the first um, November and Amber is still with her uh, her boyfriend, Theodore. So, uh, wait, no. Uh, with her boyfriend with her boyfriend one minute, I have to go back a couple pages. With her boyfriend, Glenn. Um, so basically um Amber makes her go out and basically invite Theodore who's kind of Fallon's situationship like they're just kind of together and they're not really in a relationship. Theodore is kind of your typical trust fund kind of kid like keeps talking about his private wealthy community wears whale pants as they keep mentioning which I know what brand that is. Um, so, you know, typical trust fund kid. So they go out to a bar, um, to a club and Fallon's looking all sexy because Amber made, wanted her to get like all dressed up. 
And then guess who fucking shows up? None other than Ben Kessler. I was just like, dear God, this man is stalking her now. Like, I I 100% thought that for the past year he had been stalking her. And was just waiting until November 9th. I just know that Miss Hoover was really thinking this was going to be sort of like, oh my God, this is like a meet cute. How do you know our, our, our strands of fate are intertwined or what have you? I saw this as creepo behavior. I'd be like, Snapchat maps? Block him from seeing that. Yeah, I would. I also saw it coming from my way. I was like, there's no way he doesn't show up. Like, I just I was just waiting for him to show up and then find out the stupid reason why he showed up. Uh, Because apparently this is revealed a little later in the chapter. But Glenn apparently tells Ben where they're going to be. And Amber's like, what the fuck? Why would you do that? And he just goes, he's funny. And I was just like, that's typical guy behavior. That's typical thing for a guy to be like, hey, he's funny. You can't be weird or stalking. It's fine. I would also like to add to that. It was, it's extra confusing when you remember like what, it was like the first November 9th when they met that literally Fallon is like, Oh, my best friend's boyfriend, which is this dude is like really protective over Fallon. Like they're like friends and like they're super close. He's like judgmental. Whatever got. And Ben is the green flag, sir. Exactly. How many times did he talk about um, Fallon's panties in front of you, sir? Literally like six times. That's like no exaggeration. Yeah, Yeah, that's a... It's not funny. It's sexual assault. I know. Listen, Theodore is annoying, right? I'm not not Mm pro-Theodore here. He's not like at least a pervert, right? And like up until this point, there's not like any glaring red flags about Theodore. And so I'm like, why do you despise this guy, but you really like Ben? Make it make sense. I'm sorry. He's just got, Ben's just got good vibes, man. Just good vibes. Oh my God, Ben to Mary Sue. Oh my God. Hey, listen, he has flaws because he has a traumatic backstory. (laughs) He's got problems and familial issues. He's got problems too. He's got a dead brother. Now, does that sound like a Mary Sue to you? Nah, he's depressed and sad without Fallon. Come on. What is my immortal? I was about to say, what is his my immortal name? His Uh, alter ego. Edgar Allan, like, I want to do a play on Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Ho. Edgar Allan Ho. Edgar Allan Ho. (laughs) God. Yeah, I would say that. Or, um, He'd be like, I'm Frankenstein's monster because mankind created me. (laughs) I have a mouthful of tortilla chips. I need to express how good that is. (laughs) But mankind plays Prometheus. Anyway. Mm. (sighs) Um, So also at one point, Fallon is like thinking in her head. She goes, why is he here? Why is he not with Jordan? And like, God, I don't want to be a part of that. Like, I'm like, I'm not into like being like one guy having another girl. Da, 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 and, like, that's not right. And I'm just like, Fallon, you're forgetting about Paul Amory. <laughs> like, ma'am. OK, if it's not your thing, that's fine. But maybe we don't shit on how other people love other people, you know? 
but that's just me. Yeah. I won't go into a tangent about polyamory and people hating on it. Um, just do whatever you want, as long as it's between consenting adults. Continuing on. Um. So yeah, Ben kind of shows up at the table, and my fa- my the most iconic line happens in Fallon's POV. When Theodore is introducing Fallon to Ben, who we all know intimately know each other, and Fallon says in her head that he's introducing me to the only man who has ever been inside of me. And I thought that was the most iconic line I have read in this entire book. You know, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Theodore wears whale decorated pants. What if he has a whale in his pants? Uh. I need to go to bed. <laughs> Lauren, you've been banned from Discord for the next five minutes. All right. Do I need to log off this call? Lord. <laughs> Does Oops. he have a Moby Dick? Genius. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I only aim to please. This is yes and improv. Unlike ben- <laughs> I was about to say, unlike Benton Kessler, who who can't kit ladies. Anyway. I hate it. I hate it. Uh, so she decides to like go to the bathroom and like calm herself down. This girl's gone to the bathroom a lot to calm herself down. Um, and then she comes out, and then Ben's standing there being like I've been looking for you all day. And then they start to make out, like full on make out in the middle of this club. Like, and then they go into a closet and they like continue to like make out and be um like just slobbering all over each other. Uh then Fallon decides she needs to leave. So she opens the door and then Amber's there, and Amber's like, What the fuck, dude? Whale pants over there is waiting for you. Um so Fallon's like, oh shit, this is really like trashy. Okay, I need to go. Um, so she goes back to the table and then Theodore, she sits with Theodore and then Ben comes back and Ben's like, hey, so remember that thing I told you about how I was writing a, um, a thing on a paper about people falling in love? I lied because the girl I love is is your date and she's coming home with me. And I was just like, ew! Gross! I wanted to gouge my eyes out. Like that was not the heroic main character moment that Miss Hoover thought no. it was. It no, was awkward. It, it was weird. And it was very, it, it was, was giving very much like, if y'all could see me, I'm doing like over dramatic, like, you know, I don't know if it's in cell motions, whatever it is, but it's like, I have foiled your plan. Oh, I, my intellect is 2000 times smarter than yours. And the- yeah. Yeah, yeah no. exactly. Exactly. A hundred percent. And it was also just, again, just shows his controlling behavior and the fact that Fallon is an object to him. Because I'm just sitting here being like, just let her go. She obviously has told you that she does not want to be in contact with you. Take the fucking hint. And he's just like, nope, I'm going to show up because I still feel bad about something that will be revealed in the next couple chapters. Because we're meant to be together and because I don't actually care about your interests. 
or wants in this relationship. Just my own. Yeah. Oh, all the, by the way, uh, Fallon just moved back to L.A. because she realized that she actually uh, likes teaching acting rather than doing the actual acting. So that's why she's back in L.A. now. Uh, we forgot to mention that because we're just getting very heated about this stupid book. Um, so also, you'll find this funny. I wrote down a couple parts and it was Amber being like, um, just like mentioning things. And I went, Amber is the voice of reason. And then a couple lines later, like a couple things later, I guess Amber is no longer the voice of reason. <laughs> These characters um, wouldn't know a backbone if they got an x-ray. Like, genuinely. No. It's crazy. No. Um, so basically... Basically, Theodore's like, what the fuck? And then he pun- he decides to punch Ben, and then Ben gets choked out, and I'm just like, just kill him! Kill him! <laughs> This ain't. <laughs> I want to see a scorpion fatality right now. Exactly. Club. Exactly. I'm like, I would be okay with whale pants killing uh, Ben, and then that would just be the end of it. But no, um, they get thrown out by bouncers, um, and then it's revealed that Glenn told Ben where they were all going to be at the club because uh, he was funny. Uh then Theodore's just like, hey, Fallon, you're fucking ugly. And then all of her friends are like, no. <laughs> and then they all like go out to like go kick his ass. Um, and then Ben like runs to Fallon and is like, are you OK? And she goes, yeah. And she's like, it's almost worth it because of the friends I have. And I'm just like, what? Um, and then he says, hey, I want to go home with you. Like, come home with me. And she's like, OK. And then he goes, I want to like make. Pink, I want to make eggs for you. And she goes, okay, you have to make over easy eggs with toast. And he goes, okay, so we get to get nakey nakey and then make eggs and bakey. And I just want to sleep with someone who fucking that. She is not lying. That is verbatim the exact quote that this man says. Nakey nakey, eggs and bakey. Yeah. Yes. Listeners, why would I lie to you? <laughs> and I, I just like, at, at that point, the eggs that are inside me just went, nope, nope, nope. They, they got bakey bakeyed by your internal organs saying no. <laughs> yeah, they just went, I don't think, I don't think I want to add to the population if this is what happens with their literature. Yeah, I literally, again, I, I said this in the last episode, I basically read I didn't basically, I read this entire book in the vicinity of my partner who was visiting me. I literally would like stop every paragraph and bother him and be like, let me read this out loud. It was literally like an audio book. Yeah. And this line, I literally like, I remembered I was like sitting next to him on the couch. I like violently, like just like lashed onto his arm. And I like started ragdolling him. I was like, he said, Nikki, Nikki, he said, Nikki, Nikki. And he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what what's going on? No, I I did the same thing with my partner, and he got to the point where he was just like, "This is entertaining, but at the same time, I can't listen anymore because it's so disgusting. This behavior and this writing, like this is concerning." And I was like, "I know, <laughs> but we're Delulu, and we're supposed to idealize this." Yeah, Gross. this is alpha. This is the alpha bookish man with abs that we should be pining for, Lauren. Come on. And we're the Omegas. Let me lick your abs, Ben.
Did you have sex with Alan in your bedroom? Did you know about her boob? Did you get Nicky Nicky with Alan in the bedroom? Did you get Mickey getting to Piggy? Oh god. Anyway, um chapter 19. They're in the car, they drop off um Amber and Glenn back at their apartment and basically Ben does the whole love confession thing and I literally wrote he was doing good with the love confession other than mentioning her boobs. <laughs> Wait, do you have the line where he mentions that? I've totally forgotten about it. this. Please do. Real quick. Let me see. Please do. This is what I get for being a patron of the public library, not wanting to give my money to this book. <laughs> That's why I bought it secondhand. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, this is an original RPH beat. November 9th. Coming at you live. Uh, uh, Ben, you ain't a 10. You, you make my skin crawl like a has been. Fallon, <laughs> why are you so sour? I wish you would leave Ben at the top of the hour. Yeah, Ben, you go on Reddit. I bet you never know how to hit it. That doesn't rhyme. Um, Fallon, get some self-respect before I put this book in the 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 disposal bin. Get it? Because he's been his name is trash. Anyway, wiki wiki word. I found so it. Disappointed. Okay. <laughs> thank you for the thank you for the freeform rap that gave You're me welcome. time to find the quote. Yoga so this is like a big book. emotional moment too. I forgot where he's where she's like, but what about Oliver and you? And he's just like, Jordan found out I loved you instead, so I left her, and I have and I don't live in that place. She's like, but what about you and him and like your relationship? Because I can see him whenever I want. Da, 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 da. And she's like, what's up? And he goes, I really want to tell you I love you. And this is literally. Um, Okay, so this is what uh, this is what she says. She says, loving someone doesn't just include that person, Ben. Loving someone means accepting all the things and people that person loves too. And I will. I do. I promise. And I really do, don't deserve her. Yeah, Ben, you don't deserve her. But I pull her to me and slide her between myself and the steering wheel. I pull her mouth to mine and say, I love you, Fallon. More than poetry, more than words, more than music, more than your boobs. Both of them. Do you realize how much that amounts to? If you listen to our My Immortal readings, I... I just, I feel like I appreciate that piece of literature a little bit more at this point. You know, it just evokes yeah. a sense of, of emotion that it just isn't here with this book. I feel more dead inside reading this than I did that piece of atrocity, you know? I love you more than, more than just your boobs, both of them. <sighs> 
Do you know what that ups adds up to? Hmm. Loving all of you. Ah, <laughs> uh, we're gonna punt him off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beat this man. And then they go have sex. Um, we get another vague sex scene, and they've apparently gone at it twice. And I'm like, "Sir, there's no way. There is no way. No, you are a beta. You you cannot go more than once. But fine, whatever. But you know, he's an alpha male. He's got all this testosterone. Don't um, they go three times technically? Like, yeah, they go three because the third one is just like, and then I go back inside her, and I'm like. Ah! Oh my god! It was literally—I can't remember the exact line, but there was some cringe line the dark that he says. Yeah, <laughs> he literally says something like, "Oh my god!" It was something about being inside her that I felt was like the grossest mm-hmm. thing you could ever. Say. Oh, I know what it was. It was like he's referencing being like an alpha male again. I, I think this actually might have been the first time they hooked up, but he says something like, "You know." Mm-hmm. Is it like too alpha to say that like, or I had to fight every instinct in myself to say that I own you during that. And she's like, I wish you had. And I was like, sir. That was a second time. That was this time around. Get help. And she was like, I wouldn't have hated that. I was like, y'all are children. Yeah. Oh, um, I actually have a question for you, Lauren. It's my turn to ask you a question. Oh, no. Were you surprised by the lack of sex scenes in this book? Because, spoiler alert, this is our last one. We don't get another one after this. I say, for the most part, no. Because, while I've never, like, read a Colleen Hoover book before this, I did watch a very in-depth review of Verity. And I think it was Verity. Pretty sure it was. <laughs> Ashlyn's freaking out. To, I might have to fact check that. But so like I base like I know everything that happens and it was like very in-depth of like plot synopsis, kind of like we do. And there was like not as many sex scenes in that one. There was more for sure. There was definitely more, but like it wasn't like anything off like, or maybe the booktuber like went over it and glazed over it, but like it wasn't anything like crazy. And when you're dealing yeah. with like, oh, Ashlyn is shaking her head. No, I think not, she is. That's not Verity. Then, which one was it? Verity, if you give me like the first off, five seconds for all for everyone listening, if you are willing to give a Colleen Hoover book a chance, it is Verity. Verity is the end all be all in my opinion. It is a thriller. It has astronomical amount of sex it's kind of surprising for a thriller it is so well written i was on the floor i was i read thrillers all day long and this had me gasping great book 10 out of 10 there is a wild amount of sex in this book though oh i can confirm it was verity that i listened to but i think because it was on youtube you have to do a lot of censoring with that kind of stuff to get demonetized from my impression, which is obviously skewed, thank you, Ashlyn. I actually didn't think her books were like that smutty, so I went into this following that line of thinking. But that's they interesting. Really, they really aren't. So I've read fifteen of them. If you haven't listened to the first episode, go listen. I've read fifteen Colleen Hoover books this year, um, and the books across the board are not smutty. Um, there are like 
some explicit scenes in some of the books, but across the board, you have like either fade to black or you have characters that like we get really close, but not all the way there. Stuff like that. Verity is up there. Mm -hmm. I was led astray. (laughs) See, so this is probably due to my lack of reading more romance. I'll be honest, when we first started this whole thing, I was not a huge fan of the romance genre. If you take a look at my Goodreads now, it is quite a bit romance. uh, And I've been hooked. I like it a lot. And I think when I think of romance, I think sex scenes. Like, I think that's kind of what is being advertised, you know? So when I don't get one, I feel almost left down because, because... When you're using the words like thrilling and um, didn't didn't in the back this one said gushing, breathtaking, um, blushing, gushing, and heartache. I'm expecting some sex. I'm expecting some some smut. So when there's not that, like I like, don't get me wrong. I love a good pining. I love a good. They don't look at each other or even like touch hands until like page 500 700 I need there to be a good reason for why they're pining though and if they're just going to if you're just going to kind of keep doing that and there's nothing that kind of comes out of it I feel like it's a missed opportunity from the author's point of view and I feel like I'm just like well then what was the point of reading this <laughs> Unless it's like a well-written romance. Obviously, this is not a good example. Um, I'll come back to you on on my opinion on this when I read a good romance, which is a lot of pining and maybe just a fade to black sex scene. Ashlyn? So, Sydney, you mentioned the age ranges that you felt that these books are being marketed to. Yes. As a problem because they're being marketed as romances that will tend to hit probably late middle school area. And while the depiction of the relationship is definitely not the best, the fade to black not be in line with the marketed age. So here's okay. So actually this takes me to a whole different rant um, because I have an issue with this whole fucking concept of these books being targeted towards uh, young readers, such as uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers. Middle schoolers and high schoolers should not be reading this. You don't think high schoolers could read this? No, I don't think they should because as a teenager, I, this is just from my point of view and me being a teenager not super long ago, like, well, no, five years ago. That's, that's long enough. Uh, that's pretty long ago. But I think if you're like, I'd say junior to senior range, like 16 and up, sure. Because by that point, a lot of kids know a lot of the differences between relationships that are kind of red flag worthy versus not. But these books should be targeted to a young adult audience, not middle schoolers or high schoolers. These books are too adult, especially in dealing with certain traumatic themes. Um, I am kind of looking at It Ends With Us here because that is my main issue with the book, um, even though I have not read it. Again, we've kind of like talked about that in the first episode. Neither Lauren nor I have read the book. Um, but my issue is that 
those these types of books are targeted as romances for younger women when they show a lot of problematic and scary behavior from male love interests and it can be idealized into young women's perspectives of what a quote-unquote good relationship can be and it can get them into dangerous situations especially when someone is like love bombing them and then they just fall into this codependent relationship where they feel like they can't kind of like get out or they feel like it's okay for a guy to say for example hold her down and tell her that she's beautiful god damn it I don't think that's very healthy behavior. And that's like kind of my main issue with these types of books. So I believe these books should not be targeted towards middle schoolers and high schoolers. Hence why I think there should be sex scenes. I was going to argue with you on the like marketed age. Cause you know, like the middle school thing has mm-hmm. a lot to do with like just social media in general, like her books get popular yeah. middle, middle schoolers read it. Um, she actually on her website has the recommended reading age for all of her books. Mm. have young adult which is 14 up for her so beginning of high school Mm -mm. um mature which is 17 plus for her and whoa which is very mature or dark which she has deemed more mature than 17 plus the record verity is whoa um i'm looking at the books (laughs) and i disagree on some of these so november 9 is considered 17 and up according to her website However, slammed the first book that I read by her, which I ranted to you about having oh, yeah. the, the 18 year old and 21 year old age gap mm-hmm. is considered 14 and up. So it, can I tell everyone why that's problematic? Why the 18 oh. and 21 year old is problematic? Oh, um, I don't think so. You have to read why? it because it, it is a spoiler for the book. Just an 18-year-old and a 21-year-old have a very different mindset on life. And that's my issue with that. Um, But I also would say uh, this book should not be read by 17-year-olds either. (laughs) Ashlyn, honestly, great question to like lead into that whole discussion because I didn't even think about that. Thank you. Lauren, do you have anything to say? (laughs) Um, Nothing other than that. I actually... I guess a slight disagreement in that I think 17 plus is actually a very appropriate age range for this book, simply because looking back both on some of the books I was asked to read for required reading in high school, but also like just being exposed to different medium on the internet, like this would have been nothing for me as a 17 year old. Um, I mean, I literally read Twilight. I read Twilight in elementary school. Not that there's like sex content yeah. in Twilight, but you know, it's just well, <laughs> final book. not until the not until the final book. True. But it's you know, but you know, I think like this is fairly tame, for lack of a better term. And I think like yeah, yeah I'd be weirded out if it was fourteen plus. I think that is a little bit too young. But seventeen plus, I think, is very apt. Um, and that is why I think the fate of black is is very like. Yeah, I think in that sense, it's like mostly tasteful. Are there still harmful depictions of like Ben, <laughs> for lack of an ex- for you know lack of detailing everything we just talked about? Sure, but I think also too at seventeen, not to get into the psychology of it all, you're you've developed the ability for abstract thinking, abstract reasoning. Your frontal lobe has like ex- you know developed to encapsulate those like critical thinking skills quite a bit. I think it, by that point, especially too, when you look at policy, age of majority and age of consent as well across the United States is by and large achieved at 17. 
I would at that point, it would be for me to fall more on like parental judgment of like what you want your kids reading. At that point, I would sort of wipe calling Hoover's hands free of that problem. Um, Yeah. You know, because you can only control so much what a kid sees online, what they get a hands on, etc. I definitely I think I would definitely agree with that. I think the reason it just irks me so much is because I worry that. Ben is kind of acting like a 17 year old boy or someone who is predatory towards 17 to 18 year old girls. And I worry about those people then influencing them, you know, and girls seeing it in books and be like, it's fine or online and maybe not realize and romanticizing it because they're 17 and 18. How old were you when you read The Fault in Our Stars? Me? Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I was in middle school, like sixth grade. And that, oh, that, was, that book has sex. That book has the yeah. weird, like, love bombing relationship kind of thing yeah. where they are, like, bonded for bad reasons. I read that yeah. in middle school and no one had problems with that. Yeah. Yeah. Mom true, read it, true. too. Like, True. Yep. I know I read it, but I, I don't I actually think I didn't like them together. <laughs> uh, I, I remember even at the time I hated yeah, I was like, oh, I, was like, weird. I didn't love I never finished it actually. Like I was like, eh. yeah, it was a it was a TNF. <laughs> yeah. But um, all that is to all say good points. all great yeah, points, honestly. For sure. And we urge you, listeners at home, to formulate your own opinion, as we said at the top of part one. Uh, it's not for us to say what's right and what's wrong. It's really up to you and what your parents are comfortable with you reading, what you're comfortable reading. Or maybe your own opinion. We're, huh. We'd be interested to see what you think. Oh yeah, dear well, God, if your parents are choosing what you're reading, please stop listening to our podcast. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hi, but also, yeah. hi, mommies and daddies. Hi, mommy. Hi, daddy. Listen to our podcast, please. You can choose what I read. <laughs> Any day. Any day. You just have to put <clears> it in <throat> our little submission email. Put a lesser than sign in the in the three to know that your love is being sent to us. Yes. A little kissy face. I just want kisses from mommy and daddy. <laughs> Speaking of kisses, Fallon and Ben do a whole lot of kissing. They do a whole lot, lot of more. They do a whole lot more than that. Um, and then we get to I consider this next part mostly just all chapter 20 because it's kind of weird. It kind of jumps from a couple things to another. Um, but I did write before this starts, um, in all capital letters in my notebook. Um, dear God, why won't this book end? <laughs> um, because by this point, I'm like, okay, we're at year five. Okay, so are we done? Mm-hmm. Now we have 75 more pages. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> Not like Fallon and Ben. I'm actually sick of them. <laughs> <laughs> so Fallon wakes up after they have a lot of sex and she's in Ben's new apartment and she gets up to grab a shirt, I think. Mm-hmm. And like she's like awake and then she like goes out to go get breakfast or something. I don't know. And she sees on top of Ben's dresser. It's his manuscript of the book that he wrote of their relationship. And he named it November 9th. Oh, wow. So crazy. So original. And this is when the book gets really, really, really fucked up. (laughs) 
Like, I love it. You guys <laughs> thought that this book was already crazy. Oh, just wait. You haven't even gotten to the best part yet. Mm. And this, this comes out of left field, like completely. I did not think this was coming. And I do not like plot twists for plot twist sake. <laughs> um, I like a good, like a good reason to have a plot twist, you know? Mm-hmm. This was not a good reason to have a plot twist. So she picks up the manuscript and she's kind of like leafing through. She's opened the first page and she's reading it. And she finds out that Ben was the one who started the fire that scarred her all those years ago. She also finds out that Kyle was seemingly mm-hmm. aware of it because she's leafing through to look as to why Kyle punched Ben on the 2nd, November 9th. And literally, I think the dialogue is, and this is the second time I threw the book at the fireplace, no pun intended. Me too, me too. (laughs) It was literally because he says something and I quote like, have you told her that it was you who started the fire? As he's like Mm -hmm. pinning him against the wall and she's literally right there in the other room. And I was like, are you effing kidding me? And I slugged the book across my apartment. Yeah, yeah, I jumped that part. Um, I jumped that explanation real quick because by this point on, I didn't really take notes as much because oh. I was just more like, I was more just like, what the fuck is going on at this point? Oh, I know. So I... yeah, that's why Ben got punched a couple chapters ago. It's because his brother was like, dude, you brought her here and like all of this and you bring this on. So he punched him. So Fallon is upset for a very good reason. And Ben wakes up and then he walks into the room and is like, sees her holding the manuscript and he's like, I can explain, I can explain. And she's like, no, leave. <laughs> so she grabs her stuff. She puts some clothes on. She calls a cab and she gets in the cab to get away from him. And she's being like, fuck you. Like, you didn't love me. Like, this was all for you. And I was just like, yeah, Fallon, I'm glad you're finally realizing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally before she leaves. He's just like, here's my manuscript. I, I think you should read it. And I'm just like, the ego on this man, the audacity. Because he's like, it'll explain everything. And then she chucks it out the window, as she should. Yeah. And then Ben's like in front of his house being like, fuck. Fuck, I fucked up. She don't love me. Uh. uh. At, at this point, I literally thought it was going to become a giant miscommunication trope, which I guess like to an extent Mm -hmm. it is, but I thought it was going to be a thing like, oh, because I feel like I don't think she threw all the manuscript out the window, just like chunks of it. And she thought it was going to be the chunks out, which was all of it. Got you. See, I read it as like she, she like had some in the in the cab and like you know chuck some pieces out i thought it was gonna be this dumb thing where like she threw out the piece that explained it all and like framed ben as this like misunderstood hero and like it wasn't actually him that did the fire thing and blah 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 and that it was gonna be dragged out over the next rest of the book of her thinking that he did it and he didn't actually obviously that's not what happens but that was my thought process and i literally was like i'm gonna choke if this is how this book is yeah, same, same. Honestly, I wanted it to end right there. I was like, this would be a perfect ending. Yeah. And then it doesn't end because we have 50 more pages. <laughs> and one more November knife to go. Yeah, because time jump! It's the <gasps> 6th November 9th, so now they're 24. 
they should definitely know what they're doing with their lives now. We'll see. So we oh, jump a year poem. and ah, ah, oh, I almost oh. forgot the poem. Do we have a poem? Oh, yeah, we do. Oh, by this point, I was just zooming through it because I was just like, the audacity of this. I need to keep going. The final poem. Fate. A word meaning destiny. Fate. A word meaning doom. Benton James Kessler. Fuck off, Ben. Fuck off. I hate it. I need, drink. I need to drink some tea. I wish there was whiskey in this. <laughs> but no, it's just chamomile and mint because I need to go sleep after this. I also had chamomile. Oh, look at us. Oh, oh it's so cute. <laughs> Think so, of the brain cell. <laughs> <laughs> so they are it's a year later Fallon is in her apartment upset and sad because you know it's November 9th again well it's November 8th when mm-hmm. we get when we begin and then it turns to November 9th and Amber's like hey you need me like I'm willing to stay the night and um, Fallon's like no I want to be alone and then her mom texts her is like I want to meet you at breakfast she's like fine I guess um, so it's revealed that she has put out a restraining order against Ben, and I was just like the one smart move this woman made in this entire damn book. And then she says, she goes, but I've never told anybody what happened with Ben. I even thought about going to therapy and I literally wrote down, you should go to therapy. <laughs> Your dad is a famous actor. We know you have the money for it. Yeah, it's not like you're some poor actress. Like, come on, just go get therapy. Oh my god. <sighs> so she's like sad and she's like, I'm gonna go try and sleep because I never sleep on this night because you know, anniversary of the fire, but also been breaking my heart. So I can't stop thinking about him. If you couldn't stop thinking of a man for a year, I think that says a lot. For six years, technically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honey, his dick ain't that good. Is not. He's not the whale in the pants. He's like the I Wall would say fish. if we had a, I was about to say if he if we had a sponsor, I would definitely be like, you can actually go get this vibrator right here. <laughs> this raunchy power hour is not sponsored by Adam and Eve, but you should check it out anyway. <laughs> you should. <laughs> is that what the, the vibrator? I don't what know. The hell? I'm tired. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I was just thinking of an aggressive alligator, I guess. Going, ah! <laughs> yeah, that's so sexy. Love it. No, I think that's what, what Ben sounds like during sex. Just going, ah! <laughs> no, no, no. I think he's literally sitting there. He goes like, I'm the alpha. No, I'm the, I'm the alpha. I got the mine. <laughs> I'm begging for a sense of control of my life. Alpha, <laughs> alpha, alpha, alpha. Um, so Fallon gets a knock on her door and (laughs) this man, this fucking man, this boy, (laughs) this boy, honestly, at this point, he literally goes against his restraining order and drops off the box with the manuscript in it and basically leaves a letter for Fallon to basically basically pleading for her to read it and she's like fuck no 
Oh, uh, and I'm just, I literally wrote down um, the audacity of this man. Sir, you keep bringing up old wounds. Leave her alone. Um, so then Fallon falls asleep and she is like a dreamless long sleep. And she's like, wow, I can't believe I sleep. And she wakes up and her mom's actually there. And she's like, oh, hi, mom. Your mom is reading the manuscript and she's like crying and she's like oh, Fallon did this happen and I'm just like yay mom is gonna be like see like this is so awful I'm so sorry you had to go through this all alone she goes no you should read it and I was like mom no no mom no <laughs> literally this is our first time like meeting Fallon's mom in the entire book and now I'm I'm like the thing is, is like her her husband Donovan, her ex husband, cheated on her. It's confirmed. He says it himself. He cheated on her with her best friend. I'm so shocked that her mom is like, yeah, the boy who gave my child all these scars and these injuries and potentially ruined her acting career and like dated his brother's widow and all this kind of crap. Like, you should give him hello. a second chance, Ellen. He's definitely yeah. a keeper. I'm like. Is there a screw loose? Can I put it back in for you? Obviously, dear these these ladies can't. Anyway, now we get the events that lead up to November 9th. The Benjamin Manifesto. Or the Benton yeah, Manifesto. The Benton Manifesto. I really wish his name was Benjamin. It would be so it would be 10 times better. Again, I, I am sorry to all the Bentons out there. I know you can't control the name that you were given. Dear God, is it an unsexy name? <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. So, November 9th. Eight years ago. I had to do the math real quick. Um, Hello. Eight years ago. Same day that Fallon was in a horrific fire. Now, okay, so here's going to be the trigger for uh suicide so if um if you are sensitive to this topic please click off now we're going to be talking about it a little bit more from this point on um and if you're sensitive that's fine we'll see you next time uh but going into this uh it is revealed that ben found his mom after she committed suicide and he is obviously distraught, especially because this is a very traumatic event for anybody, especially a son finding the body of his mother. So he's the one who called the police and did everything um, and called his brothers and told them. And the police came and collected evidence, including the note that his mother was holding. Um, and I mean, Ben is just numb as anyone would probably react in this situation and in his grief he tries to find someone to blame for his mother's death and he finds text messages and emails with none other than donovan fallon's father um and it's revealed that i believe they were in some sort of relationship it's kind of assumed, it's kind of implied that they were in some sort of relationship. And he and Ben believes that it's because they broke up that her mom killed herself. Um, 
and did it selfishly, basically being like, I can't live without this man. So I'm going to leave behind my three boys. So I can jump in. So sorry. If I can jump in quickly on that note, that's, this is kind of where if I had any shred of respect left for Ben at this point, it kind of left because yes, it's absolutely forgivable and valid to feel most any course of emotion during this dramatic event. To me, what's not forgivable are some of the things that he said in reference to his mother in the pit of anger. There were a couple of lines in particular, which again, listeners, these are quite graphic lines, but I think it's important for the sake of this discussion. He even says at one point, quote, my mother used to be attractive before she, quote, blew her face off. He also says at another point, like, did she not, did she love herself more than like loving her sons? And like, it's a lot of like victim blaming rhetoric in a situation where, yes, he's like in the pit of like grief and like emotional turmoil. But I think this falls more in the responsibility of the author to like, there are ways you can portray anger that's not just rooted in like blaming and calling someone like, you know, like selfish and ugly and blah, 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 like for, you know, taking their own life. And it's just, I don't know, that was disgusting to me. And I, I don't know. I was not a fan. Just wanted to say that personally, because I think it's important to like, I don't know, just identify that that's not, that should not be a healthy example of like talking about someone's suicide, which is awful. And I just, Benton James Kessler, suck my dick. I think there's a more sensitive way to kind of go about it and talk about it. Um, And, you know, just maybe a trigger warning would be good for this kind of stuff, especially within a romance book. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I have to say is like, with especially with that, like you kind of put it best into words because I a hundred percent agree with you because I was trying to look at it within the sense of a 16 year old boy mm-hmm. and trying to frame it within that mind frame. And I think that's what she was trying to do. Yeah. But it just comes off as someone who is trying to write from an experience that I and I won't say that she has not been through this experience herself. Like, I do not know Colleen Hoover. I do not know her personal life. It just sounds like someone who is kind of creating this narrative out of what she thinks someone thinks when a tragedy like this occurs, you know? Yeah, it does read admittedly kind of like how, at least from my perspective and upbringing, mm-hmm. how suicide was talked about in 2015, like when this was published. Yeah. Um, so maybe it is a product of the time, you know, a lot of things, but regardless, it did not age well. And it's something that definitely put a bad taste in my mouth for sure. But Same here, same here. And I think this just also shows the root of who Ben is, is that he would rather feel the victim than look into anything else closer yeah instead of making a like instead of thinking about like other conclusions he's just going to jump to the thing that makes him the victim of it all yeah so yeah speaking of looking for someone to blame donovan (laughs) you were saying (laughs) 
A hundred percent. Yeah. Like this. And what I was talking about a hundred percent was talking about how he then attracts like to Donovan, not him talking about his mom in any way. Sorry if that comes off. Oh yeah. And that no, way. Not yeah. Just want to make sure. Cause I, I don't want to come off bad. I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. Um, you're totally fine. Okay, cool. So. Yeah, so it's it's a lot of heavy stuff. And we're kind of jumping back and forth in between the manuscript and Fallon's point of view because she's just like, I read my father's name and I had to like go throw up and I needed to like calm myself before I could go on. Like it's so awful, like how Ben went through this. And I'm just like, I know he went through something terrible. No poor Ben here. No poor Ben. Yeah. Especially when you know it led to actions that actively harmed you. Exactly. Shitty events does not give you an excuse to then perpetuate shitty behavior. Like that's, you know, end of story. Yep. And then that goes the same thing for her dad. Little uh, in a couple pages later where um, Ben's brothers have shown up. They've cleaned up the house and they're all in shock and grief. And... Ben decides to go out. He wants to go see what Donovan looks like because he found his address with his mom's emails and text messages. So he drives over to Donovan's house and sees him and is like, he's so tall, like he doesn't look like he knows and da 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 da. And then you get implied that he got the call saying that she had passed. Um, and he's like, visibly kind of looks upset and he's like cleaning his car but Ben's just like you would hit your car if you loved a woman like that and so on and so forth um and then Donovan goes inside and right before we get the scene the fire starting scene Fallon's like well now I understand my dad because like he'd obviously lost someone he loved and da 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 and I just went Fallon He's allowed to be an asshole. He left you in the fucking house. I'm so with you on this. Like, there was not a single point in this novel where Donovan was a redeemable character for me. Like, she's literally taking this as like, oh, he was like consumed by grief and like stress and panic. And that's why he forgot me. And I'm like, um... How can you forget your whole ass child? I don't. Uh, I don't get that. No, I'm a, I. So maybe I can't talk. I just it's like, I don't know. I just had no remorse for this guy. And like they try to I mean, like no spoilers, I guess they try to paint him as like even better at the end of the novel with like some things that he does. And I'm like, I don't get it. I don't see it. Exactly. It's really weird. Exactly. And like, she's like, well, he was just trying to tell me he loves me, but it's in his own different way. I'm like, no, he's a shitty person. People are allowed to be shitty to you. And he did something shitty. That's okay. People don't need to be redeemable. Oh, I love the parallels between Daddy Donovan and Bitch Boy Ben. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. Thank you. They're, um, yeah, it's, it's giving the same. You know, a hundred percent. Because I'm just like I, I don't see a reason for either of these men to be redeemed at this point. But it's just because we need to wrap up the story. Anyway, 
So, yeah, we get that scene of Fallon being like, oh, my dad. And she's like, she texts him to go to breakfast the next morning. I'm like, okay. Anyway, we get to the next part where Ben takes the gas that was sitting next to the fancy red car. And he takes, apparently, (laughs) her dad just had matchsticks lying around in his car. Because he he smoked that way, apparently. So he lit a match, started a fire, just wanting to burn the car. He gets in his own car. He drives away. He's crying. He's sobbing. Pissing his pants. No, he's not. But (laughs) Um, he's just like that final wave just like finally hits of him missing his mom. Then he looks behind him and he saw like some cars drive some like fire trucks drive by and he like looks behind him and there's smoke that's a little bit bigger than he thought so he drives back to his house his brother kyle's like where have you been man and he's like uh uh, i think i fucked up and fucked up is is what he did um because they turn on the news and it's revealed that uh fallon was hurt in the fire obviously from what we know uh, and Donovan wasn't at all. So, and then Kyle's just like, you can't ever see that family speak about them or see them ever again. And Kyle's like, and Ben's like, yeah, yeah, I get that. So, um, that's kind of how we got there. And then we get it, then we get another time jump <laughs> uh, to two years later to the first. November 9th, the day of the 1st November 9th. And whose bed does Ben wake up in after a drunk? The way I thought I was going to rip the pages out of this book when I read this. Same. Same. (sighs) It's Jordan! Wait, we forgot about something big. What? Ian telling Ben why their mother actually committed suicide. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is a big point because he realizes what he did was for nothing because the note, um, one of his brothers was able to go to the police station, take a photo and show it to Ben. And basically the note said that she had a very um, aggressive and terminal ovarian cancer. And she did not want the, the cancer to take away their home, their finances. And she set everything up so that this would be easier and that she'd be able to take back, back her power in that way. So that's why she commits suicide. And Ben's like, oh, fuck. Oh, no, I'm a bad person. And then he wakes up in Jordan. And then yeah, and then he wakes up in Jordan's bed two years later. I'm exhausted. Um, so he wakes up naked in her bed, and yeah, he's like, "What the fuck happened?" So she explains like he just like got really really drunk, and he didn't want to go home, so she like let him sleep bed naked. And then she like slept on the couch after he like took a shower. And I was like, no, I don't believe that. I think they actually had sex. I think she fully just isn't telling him that they had sex. Who's to say at this point, I Who's believe anything. Honestly, but also I was reading this whole part and I was just like, Fallon, why do you believe him? He's True. never given you a reason to believe him in 
any of this. So why would you? I think she is very much, I mean, she even says before she starts reading the manuscript that despite it all, no boy has ever made her feel like Ben has. And she tries to like find potential within other people to like fill that void. And like, no one can do that. And I think it's very much like first love type, like we're 18, you know, syndrome of like, I am crushed by this grief, but I still haven't had that opportunity to realize that other people can treat me better. And I think despite everything Fallon has been through, those insecurities are still underlying their entire relationship. And I mean, she's sought validation indirectly or directly from Ben this entire time. And with that validation stripped, she, you know, she has a hole in her heart that she's trying to fill. And I think she's almost grasping at straws here of like, I will, I will do anything to justify this in my mind to get that back. Like subconsciously. True. Uh, but yeah, I was just saying you're being like, he's he's completely unreliable, not narrator. You have no clue. Like she never like texts her dad and goes, Hey, I know this is painful, but I need to ask. Did someone you love die the day of the fire? What was their yeah. her name? Just confirmation from someone else. That would have been great. But no, she's yeah. just like, I believe him. I believe him. I believe his him. Words, his words ring true. Just like my heart. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, he wakes up in Jordan's bed. She tells him it's not, they didn't have sex, but that he is a mess and that he's at the lowest of his low because he still hasn't gotten over his mom's death. Uh, by the way, it's November 9th. <laughs> the first time. Uh, he, so he... I don't remember how he spotted Donovan. Oh, no. He goes to the gravesite of his mother. And when he gets there, he's just about to get out when Donovan pulls up with flowers um, and goes to place them on Ben's mother's grave. So obviously he like this is implied that he very much cared for her since it's been two years since she passed. So Ben follows her, him to the restaurant from chapter one. Where he sits down, um, he he lets Donovan go in, and Donovan sits um, opposite of Fallon, and Ben sits down, and then yeah, we just kind of get the preceding scenes that happened in chapter one, but this time all from Ben's POV, which is still awful the second time around. Um, it's giving midnight sun. It's giving- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, I did write. You'll find this funny, Lauren. I did write. Uh, he sleeps with Jordan? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? Then put the parentheses after that whole thing. I went, oh, never mind. <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> it almost would have made more sense if he had. Like honestly, I would have been like, know, okay, he's a shit bag. Great, good to know. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, she's just like his. His behavior is justified. He did all this for a reason. Like, it makes sense. And I was like, no. And then she was like, I shouldn't have run away from him that night when I first read this. You had the right to run. I would have run. Any decent sense person would have run out of that apartment. Um, Given up on sense of sensibility. (laughs) So then she's just like, I have to go. And we get to the final chapter of November 9th, 
at the restaurant where Ben has been sitting all day waiting for Fallon to appear. Um, he's been staying there, I think he says for like 12 or 16 hours, I want to say, from the time the place opened to the time they closed, close to midnight. And he walks out into the cold air and there's Fallon getting out of her car. And they go to each other and she's like, I forgive you. And he goes, you do? And she goes, yeah. They start making out. And then he noticed that there's a bandaid, a bandage on her arm. And she takes it off to reveal a new tattoo, which is <laughs> theater masks and books. Did she just write books on her arm? If I'm th- remembering that correctly. I think she it wasn't books. It, it was an image of a book, but I think it was like music. No, so she theater. Maybe theater. Thank you. Yeah. Something yeah. irrelevant and bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Just, it was the two things she loves because that was what he got on his wrist too. And she was like, when you got to do something when you crazy in love. <laughs> and so they they make out and then he's like, I promise to make you over easy eggs and toast. And she goes, okay. And I think he does say nakey, nakey eggs and bakey again. The only thing I'd promise Ben at this point is another restraining order. Yeah. I'm done. I was about to, I was about to say, I'm like, wait a minute. He's, he's still violating his restraining order. I hope she got that lifted. <laughs> what time? She had to go get a tattoo. <laughs> It was on the way to the parlor. I don't know. Hello, officer. I need to get this uh, restraining order. Well, it's actually going to take a few days because the judicial system is a bureaucracy. And she's like, I don't care. I'm in love. She's saying this as she's getting tattooed in the background. It's like, Zzz. yeah. You're like, ma'am, are you in the right state of mind? She goes, I'm in love. Shut up. I don't need to be psychiatrically evaluated. Shut up. And then, yeah, that's how. November. Actually, I want to remember what was the last line in November 9th. Let's see. I hope it's something stupid. (laughs) I hope so too. That'll make that'll make me happy. Oh, right. We're in Ben's point of view again. Uh it is bad. It's so funny. She slaps me on the chest. That was a huge spoiler, Ben. Did you not learn about spoiler alerts during your reading binge? I grin as I lower my mouth to hers. Spoiler alert, they live happily ever after. And then I kiss her. And it's 12. Not the end. Far from it. And I'm just like, ah! I want to chew on my, untongue, my own tongue and swallow it. So I never have to speak about this book again. Ashlyn, do you have questions for us? Because that concludes part two. Of November 9 by Colleen Hoover. Oh. Hi. Hi. Hello. So, wow, you guys covered a lot of the questions I asked. Um, so, your view on Fallon's father. Did it change after reading the manuscript? No, I doubled down. <laughs> <gasps> I was like, meh, okay. Does, just because you're grieving doesn't give you a reason to forget that your daughter was also in the house. 
it's like when you read these awful, horrific news stories of like parents accidentally locking their toddler or their babies in the back of a hot car and then they mm-hmm. like die. It's like this. But if you were to learn that there was just a different reason why the parents left the baby, it's like the, the outcome is still the same. It was neglectful parenting. It doesn't but matter when. Who, yeah, exactly. A baby. a baby is also literally a baby. They can't do anything. Fallon is also like a 16 year old. Like he's known. I don't know. I don't know. No, it's kind of like, okay. So what it's kind of like spoiler alert for Harry Potter. If you haven't read it, you, you should, it's been out for long enough. <laughs> um, in the final book, you know, where it's revealed that Sirius was protecting Harry all along and the whole thing is like, even now, always. And, and everyone's like, ah, oh, he's such a great guy redeeming originally i thought it was redeeming now that i'm sitting here thinking about it i'm like no it's the same i don't care severus serious is dead already oh true (laughs) Ah! i didn't want to there's too many s names in that damn book yeah that's my complaint okay Should Fallon have forgiven Ben? <laughs> Follow up. Should Ben be in prison? <laughs> no and yes. Okay, so definitely no. What is the statute of limitations? How long does that work? Ooh, that's a great question. Because he literally, he literally confesses to the crime. Uh. Which, in that case, I guess it's more on, like, Fallon and her dad to choose whether or not to press charges. But, like, I don't know. Wait, her mom! Her mom read it! Why is her mom not pressing charges? Because she's Delulu. (laughs) She's like, he loves you. It's so beautiful. I don't know why I wanted to. What's her name from Legally Blonde? I'm oh, taking the dog. <laughs> uh, what's her name? The actress? I don't know. Oh, Jennifer Coolidge. Coolidge. But I can't, yeah. yeah, Jennifer Coolidge, Jennifer but I can't Coolidge. remember her character. Uh, the statute of limitations. <laughs> the statute of limitations for arson is four years, but I don't know what arson with bodily harm would be. That's two different charges. Yeah. Mm. But it wasn't really, it wasn't bodily harm. It was property harm. Oh, because she gets set on fire. <laughs> True. <laughs> but, but it wasn't intentional. He didn't intentionally do it. It doesn't matter. So it's like involuntary oh, it arson okay. with bodily harm. <laughs> it's, it's arson, arson with involuntary bodily harm. So it's arson okay. with, with, oh my God, this is so many keywords. Okay. Voluntary injury. This is like Law and Order SVU. Welcome to the Ranchi Power Hour. We're addressing. We are not a true crime podcast, by the way. (laughs) In 1976, we're about to tell a story that disrespects the victims of a horrific crime and to glorify the serial killer that perpetuated these awful things. Yeah. And we also won't consult the families or tell them and bring up a terrible tragedy that happened to them. And then sometimes. We place orders for court-ordered documents that have pictures of the body 
after a murder and then we profit it off of our Patreon <laughs> page and sell it. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, that's anyway. awful. I, I heard about that. That's awful. I think also, I'm just thinking more about going back to Donovan. The -hmm. reason I also thought he didn't deserve redemption is just like, I didn't see a good reason. Yeah, exactly. Like, like there literally wasn't any reason for Fallon to forgive him. Like, we just heard from Fallon that they're talking again. And I'm just like, I just would have liked, I know she's telling, but I'd rather, you know, there's those times when you're like, I'd rather be told than showed. I'd rather have been showed. Like, I... Try that verb again. Yeah, showed. (laughs) Shown. 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 Showed. Yeah. I like showed. <laughs> I'd rather be shown that. Especially because, like, take for instance the text on November 9th. Mm-hmm. Maybe her dad going, Hey, I know this is going to be a hard day for you. It is for me too. Let me know if you need anything. That would have, yeah. that instantly, I would have been like, Okay. Exactly. He's showing growth. But then we didn't get that. So I'm like, I, I don't see a reason for him to get redemption. Nope. I'm like, yeah, he's just a shitty person. He's a shitty dad. Okay. Yep. Okay. Maybe I we can take answer. out the dead baby part. <laughs> I have an answer. Okay. So, person is four years in general in the state that I am in. However, could go either way with the having lit someone on fire in the process part it could be considered aggravated assault because the intention was to do damage to someone he just messed up and did it to the wrong someone but apparently malicious arson is a thing that encapsulates setting someone else on fire and i cannot find it for the state that i'm in but in north carolina the statute of limitations is 10 years Okay, yeah, so she's in her right. She's like, no, I'm in prison. She's like, I just, I want to make out with my arsonist. It's fine. (laughs) Does that mean he has to wait an additional, like, two years before he publishes this book? (laughs) So he's he's confessing to a crime. OJ Simpson core. (laughs) I didn't do it, but if I had. (laughs) You believe in fate when it comes to love. Not in this book. <laughs> in this book, no. No, 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 no. Do I believe in fate when it comes to reality or when a book is written well and it can be done well? Yes. Um, but I more think of it in the sense of that it is fate and it is extreme luck to be born within like the same time frame that this other person is like born or some external circumstances allows you to be together like one last stop you know like it's extreme luck circumstance or a reason that you two find each other and then it's even more luck and more fate and work to be together and in that sense yes i do believe in fate when it comes to love but i also believe there's also people can have multiple soulmates in their life whether that be platonic romantic familial so on and so forth um but if we're talking specifically in the realm of november 9 by colleen hoover no 
This is not fate. This is just plain stalking on Ben's part to basically enforcing his way into Fallon's life. Like, it's not fate. I'm usually not the romantic sort. So, like, when I see fate tropes in romance novels, it kind of, I don't know, like, I'm just not, I usually don't buy it super well. Like, there has to be a really good, thought-out, like, reason for why it works out a certain way. That's not to say that that's my opinion in real life, but, like, in, in the context of books, I'm always a little bit wary of it going into it because I also feel like, from a literary perspective, it's a very easy way to have plot convenience of just being like, it was destiny to work out this way. And you're like, well, I think that's just in part a little bit of uncreative, you know, like justification or whatever. Uh, This book is certainly that it is like, I think Colleen Hoover was trying to tie too many things together that I don't think needed to be tied together. Like you didn't have to have Donovan dating Ben's mom. You didn't have to have like, Oh, they could have been step bro and step sis. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, you didn't have to have that. You didn't have to have him date Jordan. You didn't have to like, you, you can invent new characters. Like you're allowed to do this. Like You can yeah. just, I don't know. It just, it felt a little bit too. It's all connected for me. Uh, yeah. So no. So what are your final thoughts out of five on the book? And would you read another Colleen Hoover book? Normally I'm bad cop when I read, when I review these books. <laughs> listen, listen. I read this book in like basically like three days because I, it truly was the type of bad book where it's not writing is bad or you know anything like that it's bad because the content is bad and cringe etc that in and of itself intrigued me to the point where I was like in it to see how awful this could go and I read it so quickly and I looked forward to reading this book and that is the first time that has happened on this podcast for like books that we would like consider to be like meh or bad it would it didn't feel like a punishment and I was like yes yes like every time i had to pick it up uh so i'd for me give this like a 2.5 you know still low because you know still shit book but like not like one star because one star for me personally implies like um and yes i probably would read a colleen hoover but not anything good I I might read Ugly Love simply because it's in the same universe and I'm curious. See, you bring up really good points, Lauren, and I don't really know. Because here's the thing, when I was reading it, parts of a lot of it was it did feel like punishment to me because I was like, why am I doing this? Why? Why? What has my life become? And then I kind of got into it, like in the sense of being like, okay, yeah, this is bad. And I'm, I'm just curious to see where this train wreck goes. 
I will say, I'm trying to debate on was it as painful as the mister? Okay, you two are shaking your head no. I'm saying this is, I feel a little close with this, but I think I would rate it. I think I can't go above a two. I'll give a 1.5, I'd say. It was, and my reasoning is that I just have a lot of issues with um, who the target audience is of this book and some of the themes. That's just something I have an issue with. Um, and how some of the subject matter was handled. The writing was decent, if not cheesy, a lot of times. It was, it was pretty, um, especially when you got to more serious parts, like it just felt like it wasn't written or handled very well. Um, so, and all saying that though, I hate to say it, I would read another Colleen Hoover book, but only if we're reviewing it on the podcast. <laughs> I, I, will not, I will not seek these out on my own. I will fully admit that. I will only do it if I also get to have the comfort and knowing that I'm torturing myself as well as my two best friends. <laughs> Hell yeah. But yeah, I'd say 1.5. Can't go, I can't go above a two on that, but I give you a 1.5. I won't give it a bare one, Ashlyn. <laughs> I'll take what I can get. I'll take it. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm saying like I was struggling because I rated the Mr. a one. So I was like, and you know what? The Mr. is arguably worse because she's, there's a lot of issues with that book. It's so bad. The writing even is bad on the mister, which is like it just dragged on. I think that's why I'm like, yeah, okay. yeah. And that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, okay, so but with this one, like I was kind of entertained at points and it, it did feel like it went too long, but not to the point where I was like, we have nearly 150 pages left to go. What else can happen? And then we got two endings <laughs> in the mister. So hell yeah. So yeah, I'll do 1.5. Not great, but slightly better <laughs> and with that i think we will say uh sayonara so that is our part two to november nine by colleen hoover uh let us know if you want us to uh read any more colleen hoover books since we all said that we would uh read another uh let us know what you think um let us know if, if you're right we're wrong but Actually, we're right. You're wrong. Shut up. <laughs> uh, and oh, wait, Ashlyn, we have to choose another book, don't we? Uh, yes, um, we're going to get there. Don't worry about it. I got it. Okay. Never mind. Okay. Sounds good. I'll just finish signing off then. Uh, go follow us on all those socials. You kind of know where we are uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, um, YouTube, maybe Twitch. Sure. I don't know. We'll figure that out. <laughs> we're on YouTube, we're on Twitch, we're on Reddit. Find us, we're there. We're on. If if you look up RPH, we might be there. <laughs> um, let us know what you think. Uh, let us know any books you want us to read, and I can't think of anything else. So I will see you later, my little flirty friends. Join us next episode where we will be reading a Siggy Shade novel. Followed by Lauren's birthday post. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Raunchy Power Hour. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at the RPH Podcast. Send us book recs to our email, raunchypowerhour at gmail.com or at the link in our bio on any of our socials. As always, stay raunchy. Yeah.